0: In China, China, different, different stories. stories. We are the we ones who found way, way life in a new life. Adopted babies. Adopted China. babies from China. Hello, welcome to ABC. I'm Tara, and today I am here with a guest that I've been speaking with quite a bit. I'm here with a guest who I connected with at the beginning of the pandemic, and we've been sort of just exchanging messages back and forth. You might have seen her on your social media with really cool images of mountains and other cool landscapes. Welcome, Xiaoling. How are you?
1: Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here
0: I'm so excited to have you here too and actually talk with you and record. <laughs> you were one of the first people that I saw in the beginning of the pandemic when I started this. I was like, oh, it'd be so cool to talk with you on the podcast because, of course, your story, but also like all your travels, really interesting. I want to share that.
1: It was super funny having a message from you on Instagram and then... When a Zoom call and you said, I have a podcast, I connected it, and I was like, oh, you're the person behind the DM, and it just made me happy <laughs> that you reached out to me, and then I got to meet you virtually.
0: <laughs> yes, that's right. It was a good result of me being very like, active and messaging a bunch of people. You were in the very beginning, I think, where I only messaged like 15 people, like, hi, <laughs> how are you? I'm doing do this podcast. And now it's grown, which is cool.
1: Yeah, I was super excited. But it was at the end of the contract where I was living. So I was like, maybe next time when I'm more settled, I'll be able to record. And now here we are. Yeah, here we
0: are. So you are in South Carolina on the East Coast in the U.S. till December, right?
1: Yep. That's our plan for now
0: we can get started. I always like to ask, first thing, tell us more about your story.
1: So I was born in Guangzhou, um, which is in the Jiangxi province, which is in southeastern China. And I was found on a wall outside the orphanage. I mean, we all just get told these stories. We can't really confirm anything because it's not really documented as such, I was found on October 1st. It's China's national day. And so they, the people at the orphanage named me Li, which means victory of the party. But I guess when my parents picked me up, received me, got me in China, the people from the orphanage told them that to make me older, they put down my birthday as August 17th, 1995 so there's definitely some kind of question of like what really happened there and why was that decided Um, my naming and October 1st does seem to match up so that's kind of how I grew up celebrating October 1st but as I've become more in touch with my adoptee side I've definitely thought about the August 17th birthday more. Anyway, I grew up in Bedford, New York, which is a suburb out of New York City. And it was, it was everything I knew. So it was fine. It was fun. I loved my childhood. I loved my siblings, and my family. There's a predominantly white community, definitely elementary school, a lot of white people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but like I said, it's everything I knew. So I didn't really question it. And then middle school was fine, high school was just stressful academically. As I've become more aware of my adoptee identity, I think I've looked back at some of those situations that I was put in at school. For example, like everyone, let's make a collage of your future self. And everyone had images of people that looked like them, but I didn't have any. I had maybe two that I could find of like an Asian woman and I remember all the kids, they made fun of me because of the image I had, because it was like, this dress was like super low cut on this Asian female. And I just, I didn't have anything else. But I don't know, that's just kind of one of the things where I looked back and I was like, wow, that, that was weird. And I wish it hadn't happened. But I mean, it did. That's, <laughs> that's what I can say about mm-hmm. that. But like growing up, I guess what I'm trying to say is growing up, I felt like everything just it was normal. Like my parents always told me like my adoption's normal. I'm part of the family. I'm part of the community. And I believe that because why not believe it? I'm a kid. But I think as you grow older as an adoptee, you definitely kind of bring up memories of like, oh, wow, I was definitely an adoptee in those situations. Mm -hmm. Anyway, then I went to college in Colorado And that's kind of where I started to realize that not everyone in this er in this environment knows who I am. So when I would talk about my family, people would get kind of confused and then I'd say, oh, but I'm adopted. And then they'd be like, oh, that makes sense. That's why your siblings have blue eyes or something like that. Or like they would look at photos and be like, oh, I get it. Now you're adopted. But Mm -hmm. without telling them or showing them a photo, they just had no clue. And So that was kind of funny. Um, in some situations and then honestly the 2016 election really pushed me into looking into what it means to be Asian especially being Asian American and being Chinese because up until that point I felt like I was white but then after the election I just thought wow people don't actually see me as white. So that was, and same with the instances mm-hmm. of, that of people like assuming that I was Chinese until I told them I was adopted, they'd be like, oh, okay, that's why we can talk about like hiking and stuff. I don't know, that's not a great example, but they're like, oh yeah, you grew up doing this and this and this, me too, because we both came from upper middle class, white suburban backgrounds. And then it really wasn't until two years ago that I looked into what it means to be adopted. So yeah, it's kind of like my story, a shortened version, but it's been an interesting journey. Some adoptees call it like the coming out of the fog journey.
0: So I guess it's happy belated birthday by a bit.
1: Oh, thanks. Yeah, I know. I feel like everyone has birthdays in this time. Like the fall Mm -hmm. is just so fun.
0: also really interesting that your name and birthday are indeed china's like national day too which is very yeah i guess that's very common is names that we get are after like when we're born quote unquote or like our birthday so
1: yeah like when we are found i've seen a lot of people's names be part of like the city or like the street yeah. that they're found which is interesting in terms of I don't know how I feel I don't know I think a lot of people are like I don't want to change my Chinese name because it's a very standard name because it was just like the city. hundred other people who were found then also have the same name so I think yeah no the whole adoption names versus or like both names versus names given by your adoptive parents is really interesting.
0: So that's right. When we were talking earlier, I I forgot, I realized that your interest in your adoption, I think both of our interests in our adoptions were actually kind of around the same time, like getting interested in like learning more where we came from and all that stuff. Did that also coincide with all the travel that you do too? Like the camping outside, was that also?
1: Yes. I don't really know what exactly started that journey so i've been moving around a lot and because my boyfriend's a travel phlebotomist so when he goes to work i have a lot of time on my hands which has been really lovely i remember seeing someone i was adopted with do a senior thesis on her adoption and i remember thinking that's really interesting I wonder what it's about. It's a dance. It's a performance called Motherlanded. I remember looking at that thinking, hmm, I wonder what she's thought about. Because I've thought about being Asian, but she's clearly thought about being adopted and Asian. And then I guess I was on YouTube, which is funny because I don't really go on it. And I found Lily Faye and I started watching all of her videos and I was like, wait, some people don't think that adoption's good, and it was really. And I, it's not that like Lily Faye thinks that adoption's bad, it's just she says that it's very complex. And I had never even thought about that. I just thought, My life is so good, I was saved, I'm happy, I'm healthy, there's nothing wrong, but. Then when I look into the complexity, I'm like, yeah, no, this totally makes sense. And just all these pieces started coming together. And I think because I travel all the time, I have the time to look into it and really reflect. And I'd like to say that I've grown a lot. And I also don't really have a physical community. I mean, right now in COVID, no one really has like a physical community but i've really found an online community of asian adoptees and that's helped me tremendously i'd say travel has definitely played like a really big part and a really exciting part into this adoption coming out of the fog journey
0: yeah i was wondering like does that coincide cuz it sounds like when you graduated you sort of started having interest and then the travel ended up being just a natural course of life it seems yeah <laughs> so cool okay so i definitely want to ask more about the travel your lifestyle essentially is like you go where your boyfriend is like working at the time but if anybody like follows you with your posts and stuff you give a lot of advice and tips on like how to travel like how to pack and everything so i definitely want to ask more about this it's really fascinating to somebody myself personally like Oh, look at all these beautiful landscapes and stuff that are in the U.S. And, oh, have you gone abroad also doing this, too? Or do you hope to?
1: So, well, thank you. So when I was 11, I went to summer camp. My friend and I were hiking with our, like, camp, and we saw two women who were hiking the Appalachian Trail, And then we said, well, let's do that when we're older. And we were 11 and people thought we were kidding, like, oh, they don't really know what they want. But we definitely knew what we wanted. We were like, we love hiking, we love trips. Let's do this when we're older. So after I graduated college, I knew I was going to hike the Appalachian Trail with my friend, Hannah. And so we set off on the trail together in, I think it was March of 2018. And then she did end up getting sick, which was unfortunate in the pretty early in the beginning. So she had to go back home to get well. And that's when I met uh, my now boyfriend, Andrew. And so we hiked together a lot and just got to know each other more. And then Hannah did come back, but the dynamics were kind of hard and it was kind of a complicated situation. But anyway... She hiked on, I stayed with Andrew, and then we ended up getting off halfway through, but we planned to go back. So that kind of started my traveling, and he told me about his job of being a travel phlebotomist, someone who draws blood, and I had no clue what that was, and he said, yeah, the company will provide housing and a rental car and a flight to and from the contract, so everything I make, I just save. And then I can take time off to do whatever I want. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting. <laughs> like I've never even heard of that. When we got off, that's kind of what we started doing. And it was a very abrupt transition for me because I think my like my body was doing it but my mind wasn't really there. It was just kind of like, okay, I'll just go with the flow. But now it's been two years, so I love it we've lived in so many different places, and we've been able to travel for months at a time, camping and hiking doing whatever we want. Um, we did go abroad for fun um, last January and it was perfect timing. We went for the whole month of February, we went down to Central America, and we came back just as all the borders were closing. and It was interesting because we went down and we were trying to get into uh, Nicaragua and the people in front of us in line or like people came up to us and they were so distressed. They were like, we had these Asian people in our van and we weren't allowed to go because of COVID. And at that time, no one really knew what it was. And we're like, well, that's weird. And it just sounded really like it it sounded really upsetting. And I was so worried that they weren't going to let our van through just because of me. Mm-hmm. and then when I gave them my passport that says like born in China my name's Xiaoling, I was like I haven't been to China in so long like mm-hmm. please just let me through like I'm American and thankfully I mean they let me they let us through but that was interesting um but yeah we went down to Central America and had a great time and then came back and then everything shut down and happened it was pretty crazy
0: and then you ended up being on the West Coast of the U.S. Like a yeah,
1: the then we went to Oregon for a job. That's when SAT happened and that was the best thing ever for the pandemic. I know that it's been, obviously it's not a good thing that so many people have died, so many people have lost their homes, their jobs, their everything. But I will say one of the best things easily has been the community that i've found online
0: that is such a cool story so enthralled or so intrigued really like tell me more about all this because it is really amazing that when you were 11 you you and your friend said i'm we're gonna go hike the appalachian trail and you did like you actually followed through and then you from that that one decision then in you walk, you followed through then you met your boyfriend on the trail right you guys met on. Mm-hmm.
1: The, Yeah, we met in the woods. It's kind of funny. Yeah, I think growing up in New York, I loved being close to the city and just having, like, the best museums, the best food, the best everything.
0: With the travel, do do you plan far in advance for all those different trips
1: that you take, or...? Kind of. I'm trying to think. Like... We started out having a contract in Indiana, and then Andrew's like, before the next contract. So I guess the plan is always to get back on the Appalachian Trail, because we did get off at Harpers Ferry, and we wanted to through hike. Both of us individually wanted to through hike. So we've always planned on that, but then he's like, let's take a mini vacation. So we said, I said, okay. So we went down to Arizona for a while, two and a half weeks. And then we did another contract in Wisconsin, same thing was like, well, let's take a mini vacation. And we went down to, um, we took a cruise from California down to Mexico for a couple of days. And then we did another contract and we were like, okay, this is the contract where we saved the money for the AT. So we did, we saved a bunch of money and then his foot really hurt. So it was weird, uh, but we decided not to go through with hiking the AT that summer so we kind of just quickly changed plans of like well what do we want to do so we went on a road trip for three months around the west and that's where all those photos come from pretty much is just like wow these places are gorgeous and I love taking photos so I'm finally kind of putting them out there and then same thing with this year we planned on hiking the AT but then COVID happened and the ATC said don't hike it and because we want to keep other hikers safe we want to keep the trail community safe and we thought yeah makes sense so we just did a road trip around Colorado and a little bit into South Dakota and that's how we spent our summer so we do plan but we also it's nice that we just have the flexibility to change things up we're buying gear for backpacking. We usually always try to like have the mindset of we'll be backpacking and then we'll plan accordingly. We bought, once we realized we were going to go on a road trip, we bought a different kind of tent, like a heavier one and a freestanding one. And um, we got like a sleeping pad. That's pretty heavy, but it's for two people instead of just one person for the individuals. And that was, that was nice. So We plan, but we also have a lot of space to move things around, depending on what's happening, our budget, how we feel. And yeah, so I hope we can hike the AT this spring, but I can also understand if things just aren't really back to being ready. Kind
0: of makes me wonder... Because I know personally, like, with friendships, it's sometimes tough to, like, maintain friendships when you're, like, not in the same area, per se. If you wanted to make, like, closer friendships, are you able to? Or is that, like, a little bit challenging? Because you're, like, basically on the move pretty consistently.
1: With friendships, so I think it's, I've definitely had this question before. And in my experience, a lot of people will grow up with friends in an area And then they'll go to college and make friends. And then they all seem to, like, move to similar areas or something. Like, especially growing up in New York, a lot of people went to New York schools or Northeastern schools and then came back to New York City. So everyone just had a lot of friends. That's kind of what my siblings did. They, like, had friends in all the places. So when my parents say, like, but what about you? Because you move, you don't have friends, really. So you need to do something about that. And my friends from college really spread out. One went to California, now lives in Canada. One went to London. Another one went to another one went back to Louisville, but she was traveling all over for her job. So I mean, this is also kind of something that brought me into the traveling lifestyle, is that I grew up in a, it's a pretty traditional home where you go through school, you go to college, you get a job, you get married, you have kids. It's the very kind of classic suburban lifestyle. And when I uh, went to college, my freshman roommate was from Nepal, and she went to high school in India. And then I met her friend who was born in Poland, then moved to England, then to Hong Kong, and went to high school in India. And just kind of these like stories kept coming up of people being like, yeah, I was born here, then moved here, then went here, and now I'm here. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, I I grew up and I, I felt like I kind of fit in of like, I was born in China, and then I mm-hmm. grew up in New York, and now I'm in Colorado. But it obviously wasn't the same. Like, I spent a good 18 and a half years in new york so that was very new to me and knowing that their like parents also traveled and moved and they didn't have like a set house they had they just wanted to see more places and while my parents want to see more places they love to travel they definitely have their home base and Mm -hmm. so after college it wasn't like oh everyone's going to this one place and I can go and we can all just still be friends. It was like everyone spread out and always moving. So me moving around wasn't that big of a change. I would say that being able to make phone calls and being able to video chat has been nice. Like that's another part of COVID of everything is online now. And I know that people miss, like, hugging people and, like, physically hanging out. But for me, I feel like these friendships or these experiences are just as valuable as being able to hang out in person. Like, Mm -hmm. on SAT, someone was like, who wants to watch, uh, I guess, the movies, the half of it? yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it the half of it? Mm -hmm. Yeah someone's like who wants to watch this movie and I was like me and it's like I don't know like we all watched this movie together at the same time and yeah we weren't next to each other but we all like made our comments and it was fun and things like that the zoom calls in a way I feel like I have more experiences with friends because of COVID because everything has shifted online so in my travel lifestyle I totally understand why people are like you wouldn't be able to form a physical community. But I think for me, having the online community is exactly what I want and what I need right now.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, that's really interesting because I think in COVID we talk a lot about the negative stuff that's happening, but especially now, it's almost the people you connect with during this time almost have more value. I guess I just think of this because last night I got into some feels, of course, and I sort of posted something about it too, but it's like, I feel like it's like a catch-22 about relationships romantically and like friendships because I know in my experience in college is like, yeah, I made some friends, but I don't, I'm not really close to any of them, honestly. There might be like one person I can think of that I might consistently talk to every so often. But otherwise, there's nobody in college that I really think about. And then I moved from another area about three months ago to New York. And I was thinking, yeah, not, because I'm not there anymore, those people that I connected with, not as close because I'm not physically there. So it's almost like, and it's also more of the effort that you want to put into the relationship or that other person. But yeah, getting the feels is like, yeah, I feel like there's a, there's definitely benefits to like having a significant other that's different from like a close friend but at the same time i don't feel prepared to be in that kind of dynamic relationship Um, so it's like yeah i'm just curious like friendships it's a it's a whole it's a form of a relationship so it's actually because of covid though and thinking about relationships it's like even more aware of it too and i I guess you're kind of saying that you're like you're definitely more aware of the availability to make connections Um, but there's also been a little bit of like a strain on my connection with a relationship with like my family a little bit oh but there's a positive I'm really glad you said that
1: (laughs) yeah I think that I mean I don't want to come off like wow COVID has been the best thing ever (laughs) but I do think that there's just been it's forcing us to shift our mindsets, it's forcing us to make changes that need to be recognized and changed. So I think that a lot of people are kind of, I think people are exhausted. And with that, I think people are really trying to focus in on, okay, I'm exhausted and I need to focus in on what what i really want and what will energize me and how can i keep my how can i protect my energy because we just can't if this is unsustainable so mm-hmm. i think kind of like the world has shown us that with this pandemic but like we just are always it's ironic for me to say but we're always on the move but like <laughs> <laughs> people work 24 7. uh we don't really take the time to enjoy the world. I think if we did, it would be in a much better state than it is now. We don't take the time to uh, enjoy each other's company. If we did, I think things would be better on a personal basis with a lot of people. I think COVID has definitely brought up the good and the bad of a lot of, like, mindsets about relating to each other. So I hear what you're saying of like, just feeling, feeling all the fields. I've definitely felt those too. Like this is, this is a crazy time for sure. Also, I guess something that when you said kind of made me think of, I grew up, I said, I went to summer camp. And at summer camp, it's like I made these friends, but they lived elsewhere. They lived in Massachusetts or wherever. So I used to write letters to them and we used to be friends. And then later I would talk online with them. But I think from that very like first, whatever, interaction, like when I was 11, I was like, wow, this is someone who lives elsewhere, but I want to be friends with them. How do I make that happen? And you communicate that communicate with them in other ways so like I'm still like best friends with one of my best friends from camp and we call all the time and we're kind of talking about just changing friendships because that's definitely happened and she's like I think we work out because we've always been long distance (laughs) so like (laughs) I've always just called her up or texted her whenever I wanted to and it was like We can go months without talking. We can go years without seeing each other, but we're still friends. So I think that's also kind of been in my experiences. Mm -hmm. So this like long distance friendship with other people isn't as new to me.
0: I see, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's really fascinating. It's not like something I've ever really talked about with people. So it's kind of really cool to talk about it this context, of course. Yeah, I also
1: have friends that just like, like I said, they're just from different countries, and they just run into people randomly. And I think that's also another thing that I've I learned in college and saw she'd be like, oh yeah, like my friend from high school who, like from India, like we ran into him in California and we all hung mm-hmm. out. And then, like, oh, they're coming in Colorado. And it's like every time people say goodbye, they're always like, oh, I have no clue when I'm gonna see you. It's probably gonna be a blank amount of time. People seem to just kind of, it'll work out when it makes sense. My friend messaged me last year saying hey I'm flying from London to California I know you travel all the time you should come and I was like I'm going to California at that time are you kidding me that's amazing and then my other friend was like I have a job event in California like literally all in San Francisco so we all got to hang out and just like weird things like that were just like all worked out perfectly so if we look for those opportunities or think that those opportunities are going to come rather than, oh no, I'm going to say goodbye, we'll never see each other again, you probably will if you want it to happen.
0: Right. Insert break here. It's kind of a joke. Somebody was like listening to the podcast is like, you always would use the same recording when you put a break in for like the first 10 episodes. That's very much true. So now when I record, I actively like... I'm gonna put a break here.
1: <laughs> Sounds funny. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, it's a little bit
0: now that you're you're making me think of one of my truly like close friendships, other than because I talk about Katie on this podcast quite a bit, um, but we connected because we're from the same orphanage basically but it doesn't necessarily mean we were going to be close but she's been talking about like moving out of the city and i just got here but i also know like oh i think it just helps to be physically near each other right now during this transition for me and then also my former roommate who is now in indiana but we live together back home for me in maryland Um, but i did notice too with him because he's indian that a lot of friends he would talk about or like he would go to visit people or they would come to visit for just even a day but they would like go the distance to see each other This is really something to see to actually like see people do it too i think it also helps broaden your experience too
1: yeah i was so we were placed up in the middle of wisconsin and honestly the like place was like uh why are we here but the closest like airport was in Minneapolis. And I told you about Julia's performance. And so I reached out to her and said, hey, we haven't like seen each other since we were eight because we were adopted from, we were from the same orphanage. And I messaged her saying, hey, I'm gonna fly in and out of uh, Minneapolis. So I'd love to see you uh, if you're free. And she messaged, oh my goodness. Like, of course, I'd love to see you you're welcome to stay here. And I was like, wow, okay, (laughs) Uh, that's a lot. And then when I was talking to my boyfriend about like my flight times, we lived I think an hour and a half away from the airport and I was getting in at about 9 p.m. So not too late, but definitely on the later side. And he was like, honestly, if you wanna stay with Julian, she offered, just go for it. So I said, okay. So I messaged her and said, I'll take you up on staying with you. So I got off the plane and I go meet her and I was so nervous. I was thinking, oh my goodness, I've not seen her since we were eight. Like we're completely different people. And we literally stayed up until like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. just talking about our life and about adoption and everything we've like thought about. Because I said, hey, I saw your performance, just the advertisement online. Like, tell me more about it. I'm so intrigued. And then she said, so this was in April, and she said, I'm going to do a performance in October. You have to be here. And I said, "Julie, you know that I move around a lot. I can't promise you anything. She's like, no, you have to be. So I kept that in mind. And even in the summer, she's like, do you know anything yet? Will you'll be in October. And I said, I don't know. Then it was literally October 1st when I found out that we'd be moving to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, for the upcoming time and her performance was uh, October like 15th or something and so I immediately just like bought a ticket from New Orleans to Minneapolis I stayed with her I got to see her performance in person and it was just so magical of like oh my goodness back in April you asked me to come and I said I didn't know and so it's like things like that of like I really wanted to go, I was going to make it happen, and things just perfectly fell in place, right. and uh, her performance was amazing, it was just so well done, and it was so wild to, like, watch someone perform about their adoption, and know that, like, she and I came from the same orphanage, like, as we say, like, we've known each other longer than, like, our adoptive families know us, which is so wild that's so good
0: it just shows yeah if you really want to connect with somebody you'll like make the effort I yeah think that goes all relationships too
1: you like put out that good energy and good intention into the universe yeah. and just let it do its thing mm-hmm.
0: i'm also a strong believer in like time you gotta like give time to some relationships too especially like family
1: like, yeah family
0: friends it's tough
1: it is tough yeah. And I guess to speak on the family part, it is funny because during this call, my dad just called me. I think, so with the past two and a half-ish years, two years really, of traveling, it has definitely been hard on my family and with my family. And it's a combination of like a new relationship, traveling, and looking more into my adoptee identity. It's like... Mm -hmm. So many things were just coming together and just happening that it's hard for me to talk about it with others. I'm working on communicating better with my family, but I think as an adoptee, when you come out of the fog, it's so, I don't want to say abrupt, but really watching Lily's videos of like talking about the complexity of adoption and how I said, I had never even thought that adoption was complex. I just thought it was the best thing ever. It definitely overwhelmed me. But I also started following a lot more other adoptees who described adoption as trauma. And while I needed that time to look into all of it, it was hard for me to communicate even with Andrew, with friends about what I was seeing and going through. I mean, this is a classic, but adoptees are definitely always told, like, you should be so grateful, you have Mm. such a good life. So I didn't want to come off that way. And that's literally the point of the videos is like, one, don't tell an adoptee that they should be grateful. And two, just give them the space to just feel their feels. (laughs) With communicating with others about the adoptee experience, it can definitely, I think, strain relationships of it's like my family says they want to be there for me and they want to know everything and they want to like they want to support me and they want to love me like they always have but it's been hard for me to accept that or welcome that as i navigate well what does being adopted mean to me because i've always had that story from them so for them to tell me like I was loved so much, but I was given up so I could have the best life. It's hard for me to talk to them and say, I feel like I definitely missed out on a lot of things because I wasn't raised in China. And that's not to say I wish things were different. It's just to say that when you take a baby from one country and raise them in a different country, they are going to miss some parts of their I will say parts of their identity. It's like their ancestry, it's their heritage. I don't know the language, I don't know. I was just talking to you about not knowing what the Mid-Autumn Festival was. And you said you didn't know what China's National Day was. Right. It's like things like this of like, oh, I have this weird adoptee guild of like, well, why don't I know? But I'm like, oh, obviously I know why don't know. And then I will say it's like, I believe full that my parents and my family did had the best intentions, like they did exactly what they thought they should do and could do. And growing up, I probably was not, I will say I was not the most receptive. Like if my parents had talked to me about the Mid-Autumn Festival, I would have been like, why am I learning about this? And no one else I know learns about this. Like you don't talk to my older siblings about the Mid-Autumn Festival in the way you talk to me about the Mid-Autumn Festival, I feel like I'm being othered. And I think adoptees yeah. definitely struggle with that of just wanting to fit into the American life and then also like fitting into the American life but feeling like I'm missing out. It's it's complex. <laughs> adoption is complex.
0: It definitely is, yes. So many layers. I've been able to speak a little bit more about adoption to people who aren't adoptees, which is kind of new too because really it started out with like only speaking with fellow adoptees but as a result of like the podcast and stuff i've actually spoken with other like actual abc's the technical i don't know if it's like the technical term but american-born chinese
1: oh. i've spoken with a
0: couple of them and they ask the same questions that most people do ask when i was speaking with an abc the other day and he's like do you identify as asian-american and i was like Yeah, I I do actually. He's like, that's interesting because a lot of like ABCs, like a lot of his friends, they try to like actually dismiss the Asian side of their identity too. Oh, so I guess ABCs feel it too. They just, they're just related by blood to their family. And then the other person I spoke with was, her name is Summer and she is the founder of a, I want to say it's a cultural organization started out that way in Singapore the culture gen and she started a series called shades of yellow and speaking to like Chinese diasporas so I've actually heard from even in her interviews with others too of different Chinese people and but like not adopted like I was the first adoptee she's had she might have more it's interesting to hear like oh all this like being Asian or being Chinese is very much I think we all actually kind of like share the similar feelings on should we know this? Do we have to know it? Or is another really complex thing hearing from these other people? It's like being Chinese, but also being LGBT too. I think there's somebody she spoke with who's LGBT. Like that's another level.
1: I think all identities are complex, not just Asian adoptees, but as you said, like American born Chinese. And then, yeah, people, I don't know if you friend like, moved to Singapore or, like, has been born and raised there. There's just so much to it. And I think the number one thing that adoptees struggle with, I guess that's not fair for me to say, maybe what I would say is for myself, it'd be that it's just there's so many unknowns. So while someone, and I've seen posts about this, kids who are Chinese and who aren't adopted, and they're like, I'm really ashamed that I was embarrassed by the food that my mom gave me for lunch. Like I didn't have any of that embarrassment because my mom gave me American food and I brought it to lunch and it was fine. But like people definitely have those kind of cultural things, but then they can always kind of go back into it of like, but now I cook with my mom or like now I learn more about my family. Like I feel more invested in it because I'm older and I see the importance and the passing down of traditions. And while my family does have, my adoptive family has their traditions, and I love hearing about them and learning about them. I think more recently I've thought about like, I wonder what my birth family does for the mid autumn festival. I wonder what their traditions are. I wonder what, they look like i wonder what their names are like they're just so many unknowns and right. i'm not saying my life is any worse it's just different it's right. I, identity is very complex and also andrew loves genealogy which i think is really great i'm happy that he loves it but like as he goes way way he's like i want to get six generations of family members down like their name their birthdays like where they lived and all the tracing their histories and their stories i'm like i'd really like to know my parents Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's kind of a snarky comment to his but it's true it's like right i know
0: exactly yes i can empathize for sure but I'm sure you guys have talked about that more in depth too, like, not just that level. Yeah, that's really interesting too. I have an extended family member who was like really into that too, and it was always just sort of uncomfortable when she would talk about that or like really get into the genetics of it. And I was like, yeah, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, my dad is really into genealogy, and I think more so. Like my uncle is really into it, and. I don't know, they just all have well, they're all such history people and I am too, and that's how I grew up. I just I love learning about history. I just think it's fascinating. And when I say history I mean usually American history. And that's how I learned it, and I think that's what makes it most interesting of like, oh, so like my grandfather was here during World War ii or like my grandmother did this and on both sides it's like it's history through stories and I think that's how history should be told. But my knowledge of like Chinese history or Asian history is little to none. And I'm working on that. Um, I want to learn more, but it's kind of like learning the language of Chinese. It's like, I don't engage with many people who also want to talk about Chinese history, but I definitely engage with American history all the time, which is cool, but I'm definitely aware of like my upbringing and learning about American history, and then I literally majored in U.S. history in college, (laughs) and now I am kind of further away from that of, like, hmm, does that really fit me as well as I thought it was going to, like, being as in-depth, but I still love it. I love all history. I just wish I knew more. Chinese history.
0: You bring up a good point though like if you don't really talk about it with people you're not going to like be able to really talk like discover more on it. Have you been back to where you were adopted from? Do you have interest in going back?
1: So I've not been back to where I was adopted from but in 2010 I went back to China with my family and that was an interesting trip because I had studied Chinese for one year in high school and my brother who is six foot three, brown hair, blue eyes, had studied it for three years. And we went back the way I see it was like a family vacation. Uh, We went to Beijing. We went to Shanghai. We went to Chongqing. We went to Hong Kong. I just kind of took it in as like, we went to a few other places too. I took it in as like, wow, we're on vacation and I'm seeing a whole new country. This is so exciting. And my parents kind of kept asking me, like, so how do you feel about this? And like, you should keep a journal during this time. And I think what they were thinking is like, this is her birth country. She should feel very connected to it. And at that time I really didn't because as I was like, I don't know if I really did say, but it's like I only came into my Chinese identity when I was like 21 and I came into my adoptee identity when I was like 23 and now I'm 25 so back when I was 14 I was just thinking this is a cool place to be I guess the only time I really thought about what it would be like if I was born there was when we went to a school and I saw these kids and that was fun but again it was still like a oh look at all these kids they're so cute and then we like left maybe for a split second I was like I could have been one of those kids and then yeah I had a great time people kept trying to speak Chinese to me and it was really disappointing when I'd say like I'm sorry well I, I could say like which is I'm so sorry I don't know Chinese and they'd be like how is that possible? And then my brother would start speaking in Chinese and that just made it even worse for me in my opinion. It was funny, but it's like, they were like, wait, he speaks Chinese, but you don't like what's going on. But also I think by the way that I dress and like, I probably had my camera, they were like, she's a tourist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I would love to go back. It is my dream to go back and definitely visit Ganzhou. i want to see what it's like um the city and then i also want to go and hike and photograph the less traveled areas so i'm trying to learn chinese in hopes that when i go back i can try to navigate it on my not on my own i'll probably be with andrew but i would i want to be able to like hold my own conversations when I went back with my parents, I will say I we did go to the hotel where my parents had like first taken me. Um oh, yeah. the White Swan Hotel. I think a lot of other adoptees have been there too. Um and we even saw people adopting babies at that time. And my parents were like, Look at this is how I adopted babies. She's all grown up. Like, we're so proud of her, like it all works out. <laughs> we had those little bits to like kind of bring me back into that space but again it was definitely like a family vacation because I just don't think I was mentally there and I think a lot of adoptees say like well I wish my parents had done this I wish they had done that and I think that's valid but I also think for me it's like my parents did do a lot and I was still just too young just too Mm -hmm. I don't really know how to feel about this. I don't have the space, I don't have the time to really dig into it.
0: Those early teen years, it's hard to appreciate the stuff your parents do for you sometimes. I can definitely relate on that level too. That's so interesting that you you had that, I think I had the same experience as you, except it was with my dad who speaks Mandarin and like, oh, he's speaking very fluently. That's so great. It's like, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's weird it's you really throw them off <laughs> mm-hmm. oh also i don't know if you experience this of like uh a lot of chinese people wanted to take photos with my mom and my sister because they're blonde hair and blue eyed oh. and not me like they would specifically be like no get out of the photo or like get away like we only want these two so that was weird
0: <laughs> no 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 Now my siblings are like brown hair brown eyes so I don't know if that's just not as I don't know that's interesting they're all I mean my family's beautiful too so but I guess not in the blonde hair blue eyed feel I don't know it's
1: like that the brings up a classic American look I was just
0: gonna say that's like that brings up a whole nother like layer to a conversation of like the blonde hair blue eye because I think even in American culture that's still the like yeah as you said classic look that more desired quote-unquote um so yeah that brings up a whole nother conversation
1: yeah so racial mirroring and identity and like
0: i guess that i almost feel that's an advantage of being like chinese in america it's like at least it's like i'm so far off from the i guess expected classic look or whatever it is that may not even be the right term that i don't have to worry about it
1: That's funny. I feel like because I'm so off from the expected look, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm so off from the expected look. (laughs) But no, I've definitely come to appreciate being Chinese. I just think growing up when your family all looks like one way, you're like, I, I thought like, why don't I look that way? Like, why don't I have, I will say I've always loved my hair though because I have like long straight black hair and people always compliment me so that's always been my favorite feature but like I get too dark in the summer I Mm -hmm. my eyes of course are made fun of by other kids all the classic Asian stereotype things Mm -hmm. and then you're like wow I really don't fit in but I don't know that's definitely like a middle schoolers and little kids just have no shame and just saying whatever they want
0: (laughs) yeah elementary middle school high school did anybody really enjoy it (laughs) I think it's some people might have I get a lot of compliments on my hair now it's like wow you you didn't get that styled I was like no so I guess I can say the same thing oh at least it's nice and trendy or something yeah (laughs) (laughs) My, I guess it's salt and pepper look is what it's called oh, well, yeah. I'll ask my last question is there anything you want to hear from other adoptees or people who our Chinese adoption has affected
1: so I guess what I'd like to hear more from adoptees would be I you always hear about coming out of the fog and they're like I thought adoption was all good and then I came out of the fog Mm -hmm. and it seems like a really like scary thing of like and then I woke up and saw all the. Honestly, I think people dive into the negative that's kind of how you wake up and then you kind of need to even it out that's what I experienced is like suddenly everyone I was following was just like adoption is so traumatic and I will always be depressed and all this. And while those experiences are a hundred percent valid and I'm happy they're sharing their truth, I felt like I was overwhelmed by that kind of mm-hmm. about, yeah, I was overwhelmed with other people's feelings on top of my own complex feelings or mixed feelings, I'll say. So I'd like to see how people have come out of the fog like how how do people show up in this world without i guess one it could be how do they cope um like how do they keep going but also for people who do feel kind of a weight lifted after coming out of the fog how did that happen and i think for me i'll say last year a lot of things changed definitely within this last year and a friend introduced the Enneagram to me. And I love those personality typing things because I just think they're fun. But the Enneagram is the first one that really, I don't wanna say spoke to me, but like I read the description, the good and the bad of an Enneagram six. I read through all of them, but the six just really hit me hard. And I thought, whoa, I am definitely this person. I'm someone who can't seem to make a decision and needs to talk to everyone in their life to figure out what to do next. I feel like I'm just a ping pong ball, just going back and forth. If someone says, you should do this. I'm like, oh yeah, maybe I can. Someone else says do this. I'm like, oh, should I do that now? And it's like, so I took all of that and thought, okay, wow, I really need to trust my inner voice. I need to stop asking people what I should do and focus on what do I wanna do? And then As I said, during COVID, the SAT group, the Subtle Asian Adoptee Traits group, just the engagement skyrocketed. I've been part of that group for about a year now, but only in the last few months, people are posting every day, like multiple posts an hour. The Zoom calls on Wednesday and Friday. I just loved it. I feel like it's been so helpful to be around so many Asian adoptees. Like when I went on that Zoom call, I thought I've never been around this many Asians at one time. And it's weird because I say around and like it goes back to the, my community is still virtual, but it's like seeing just rows of Asian faces. I was like, (laughs) whoa, I'm in this. I see myself in this. And just being able to say like, yeah, I have two birthdays because my birth certificate and my adopted, Birthday, like when I was found, and everyone's like, Oh, I see. And I'm like, Yeah, you do see, like, you get it. And you don't. Mm -hmm. So that has been amazing. And then lastly, I've definitely like shifted my mindset into more like, I don't, I guess I'll say like, yes, positive thinking, but just being aware of what I'm putting energy to and supporting versus what I don't want or what I don't like Um, and that's been really a big mindset and lifestyle shift for me and I've seen things working out in ways that I could have never imagined so I'll say that it's it's like the manifestation mindset I've definitely gone down that path of like I'm so fascinated in this law of attraction Um, so I'd say those three things have kind of helped me come out of the fog and I'm just would love to hear other adoptees say mm-hmm. like coming out of the fog is really overwhelming and scary at first to some people, but then here's how I kind of lifted myself out, or at least at times this is what I've done to feel good about being in this life. Um, it's like a weird thing of uh, people are telling adoptees they need to be grateful. And then they kind of like, fall into a pit at least that happened to me Of like falling into a pit of like I'm not grateful I'm resentful I'm mad I'm confused I'm all of these different things I'm sad and now I'm back to like I'm so grateful for my life like I am the grateful adoptee but not in the way that people right. put it on adoptees like yeah I'm happy about that
0: <laughs> I yeah no I, I agree that's a very eloquent way of sharing that. And I appreciate it. I hope I'm sure many people appreciate that too because I I definitely want to say I am also like in that same mindset of very grateful for the life I have but not in the same yeah not in the way that people kind of say it as that other way. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like your parents saved you, do you owe like what do you, right. think you owe them? Like do you know that you could have been returned? Like things like that is just like so crazy that that like it comes out of people's mouths. Um, But now I am like, yeah, I am really grateful for my life. I can experience this beautiful world. I love connecting with people. I love setting time aside to do what I enjoy, which is like hiking and traveling, just so many different things. I'm like, yeah, I'm grateful. (laughs) But I don't think I owe anyone anything. I don't don't believe in that gratitude. Oh, it's, yeah. not, it's like more even when you tell someone, someone, as adoptee that they need to be grateful. You're like, it's not even the word grateful. It's like, it means so much more when they say it and they really yeah. need to just say what they mean. And then they realize, wow, I don't mean to say this at all.
0: Yeah. I think yeah. Lily actually goes into, I think one of her videos actually really focuses on terms or like conversations too. It's a very good video. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. I love her videos. I feel like I've consumed so much adoption content that I need to like pick and choose what I spend time on. But yeah, I'll definitely check out her
0: channel. I haven't in a bit. And more content is being created. Like I know this podcast, but I think there's a couple others. So it's like there's a lot, (laughs) there's a lot out there.
1: Yeah, uh, Abby just released another podcast episode, which I'm excited (laughs) to listen to, and. It's cool to see. It's super cool to see so much more coming up.
0: Oh, yeah. And we all have different perspectives or ways that we're doing the podcast or the videos, too, which is very helpful, I think. So, yeah, pick and choose, basically.
1: Yeah, everyone has their story. So Mm -hmm. it's just neat to see, like, how people can relate and how what's a different perspective that you've never thought about and
0: Well, speaking of your hiking and everything, would you like to share your social media, your Instagram?
1: Yeah, sure. My Instagram is just at Shaolin Keller, so X-I-A-O-L-I-N-G-K-E-L-L-E-R. Your name. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I spelled it out because, I mean, I think whenever I say, yeah, my name's Shaoling, then everyone just gives me blank stare, and then they're like, is it S? And then I'm like, no. Oh, I see
0: yeah <laughs> I didn't even think about that I immediately know that it's an x
1: that's cool
0: <laughs> wow that's funny okay yeah, yeah. I didn't even really like I don't consciously think of that like subconsciously and I was like oh yeah Xiaoling is xiao
1: oh <laughs> that's like such a um what's it? an exception <laughs> that's amazing yeah I'm thinking about starting a new Instagram just for my photography yeah one that isn't Shaolin Keller, one, to give me more space to be myself on my own. Like, because for NAM, National Adoption Awareness Month, I'm planning on writing a bit about my adoption, and that doesn't really specifically tie into my photography. But anyway, it's like if someone's like, oh, do you have an Instagram? I want it to be like, yeah, it's blank. And then they're like, great, I'll look it up. I don't have to like spell it out, they don't have to write it down. It just wants, I just want it to be easy.
0: Perfect. So your Instagram is your name, Keller, and possibly you will have an Instagram just for your photography, which would be really cool. And I'll definitely share that when you make that. Perfect. Well, that is all the questions I have. And I like to ask all about these. Oh, I always say goodbye for now. I'm sure like I'll touch base with you and like keep you up to date or you'll keep me up to date on everything.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. This has been so much fun. Thank you. This was really good
0: conversation. I I feel like it was very deep on such another level. But it wasn't so apparent how deep it was. But if you really think about it, it was really deep. So it was a a good conversation. So goodbye for now. Thank you for listening to ABC. You can email us at Adopted Babies from the Child.